Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Anna. And I'm Simon. And together, we're, we're infertile. infertile. That felt really weird to say. Yeah, it sounded like we were announcing we we're alcoholics or... Like we were doing a 12-step meeting that transitioned into funky electronic dance music. It also sounded kind of sad, but this is not going to be a sad podcast. Mostly. Here's a little background on what we're doing. I'm Anna, and I'm a reporter at the Huffington Post. Simon's my husband. Ta-da! And I'm also a writer, but in television. So it's like he's a less important writer that gets way more money and way more acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. We've been married for six years, and everything's been super good. Awesome. Great to hear that. But there's been one big sort of headline problem. You're listening to IVFML, the story of when a man and a woman love each other very much. And together, they embark on an expensive, time-consuming, and emotionally fraught journey toward parenthood, with no guarantee of success and plenty of opportunity for disaster. I had never planned to be infertile. Yeah, well, most people don't. Well, whenever I think about getting pregnant, I think about high school. All right, what, what does that mean? Well, when I think about pregnancy, I think about the way that teachers described it in high school. You know, it's something that happens after you are back from homecoming with your boyfriend that no one approves of, and you have sex in the back it's of his a car. Slip up. Yeah, and then afterwards you're trapped for life. Yeah, the way we all learn about sex in high school is very focused on not getting pregnant. We're all told it'll only take one time to ruin your life with an unwanted pregnancy. You have to be constantly vigilant and careful. Sex is like transporting nitroglycerin, and you need to make sure you do everything right. Otherwise, you'll spill it, and boom, a baby shows up. So when we got into our late 20s, and we'd be married a while, and our careers were stable, it kind of felt like time to pump one out. And we thought, all we'd have to do to get pregnant is to just stop being so damn careful. I thought it was going to be fun. I mean, we could have a ton of sex, but sex with a purpose. You know, it almost felt noble, like a special mission we were going on together. Right, but our mission didn't work. Lots of sexy, condomless sex led to messy sheets and double shower days, but no pregnancy. Of course, that did not stop you from constantly telling people that we were going gloves off. I regret nothing. Literally no one liked hearing that. Anyways. So we were 28. And after a couple of months of charting my period with an iPhone app, the baby-making sex started to get a little bleak. Really bleak. One time, Anna came home after a 15-hour day of work and school, and she just lay on the bed with her eyes closed and said, Just put it in me. I don't care. In my defense, I thought I was ovulating that day. It was not romantic. None of this was. So anyway, after six months of this fuckery, we decided to go to the doctor. Now, normally, a couple waits 12 months before seeking outside help with baby-making, but I already knew I had polycystic ovary syndrome, better known as PCOS. It's a hormonal disorder that keeps you from ovulating. For instance, I'd only had three periods in the six months since we'd been trying, so I definitely knew there was something seriously wrong with my cycles. Yeah, we tried really hard to plan our sex around Anna's ovulation dates, but when you can't predict your periods, you can't predict your ovulation. It seems so simple, but it's something that I wish I had known when we first started trying to spawn. Anyway, we went to my OBGYN. 
the first thing the doctor wanted to do was test my sperm. She said that's always the first thing to test because it's easier to see if things are going wrong in the man than in the woman. Because man parts are way less complicated than lady parts and they're all dangly and on the outside. So do you want to tell our audience how you did on those tests? I did very, very well on those tests. I did extraordinarily well, some would say. Some would say, yes. He did not shut up about how strong his sample was. Okay, in my defense, it wasn't like I was trying to rub it in your face. It's just that the doctor didn't just say normal and move on. She was effusive. I remember I was sitting there in the chair and she said, you, I have double the normal motility, an excellent quantity. And it was just like, I don't know. I don't get a lot of physical praise. You know, it's like I've never been like a buff guy, never been like a guy who's turning heads at the beach. And I probably took the sperm thing as too much of an ego boost because in my mind, it was like the doctor was saying, wow, I'd shake your hand. Two kids are enough for me. You know, I felt like I felt like I better wear a condom walking down the street. I should stop talking about this, right? Right. The problem was me. And we jumped into interventions to help me conceive. Before we dive into all of our personal ish, which we are absolutely going to do in disgusting detail. I am a health reporter, and I do want this podcast to be medically accurate. I care a lot less about whether this is accurate. In fact, I plan to lie a lot. That's why you're not a reporter. First up, we said at the top of this episode that we were infertile, but I wanted to know what that meant. I sat down with Dr. Gregory Rosen of Reproductive Partners Medical Group in Los Angeles. Kim K fans might recognize his voice from episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians when she seeks fertility treatment. I asked him a lot of questions to sort of fact check all the stuff we've been saying. Dr. Rosen, thanks for being on the show. It is my pleasure. So we're talking about infertility right now. So can you tell us how is it medically defined and how long does it take most straight couples to conceive? Okay. I like the caveat, normal straight couples. But the answer is for all people who are trying to get pregnant, about 80 to 90% of them are pregnant within the first four to six months. Infertility is defined as a year But the reality is in that last six months, only about another 5 to 10% of couples will conceive. So six months is when you should start being concerned. Is this affected by age? Well, it doesn't really matter um, with regard to age. A higher percentage of people get pregnant when they're younger and a lower percentage when they're they're less young. Um, But it doesn't matter how old you are. You should be pregnant within four to six months. So if a woman is having regular cycles, she can wait six months. But if her cycles are irregular or if the couple has problems having sexual relations, then they should probably seek help earlier. You say age doesn't matter, but I have to know, are teenagers really good at getting pregnant? Well, that's really funny. It was always thought that younger women were more fertile than women who were less young. Notice how I'm not using the old word. (laughs) So less young is a much better word. But the reality is, is younger people have sex more often than older people do. But between the ages of at least 20 and 38, the time to pregnancy is exactly the same. So younger people are not really more fertile. Wow. Okay, let's just stop here for a second. So all that time they spent scaring us into abstinence in sex ed class was just part of a right-wing conspiracy to sell tickets to the purity ball? Well, you did hear him say that high schoolers do it a lot. Well, the cool kids anyway. Everybody here say me if you were getting any in high school. Back to the interview. So let's say you're a couple that's been together a while and wants to start trying to get pregnant. What's the first step each person should take? Really, all you need to do is stop using contraception and try to get pregnant. You don't need to do anything else. If you have sex two, three times a week, you should be able to get pregnant within really the first two to four months. Um, And if you're not pregnant, as I said, by four to six, that becomes an issue. So you're sort of against the approach of 
you should calculate your ovulation date, and you should time your sex, and you should have a sex date. You need to remember that there's procreation and there's recreation. You need to remember to have fun with sex as you had before you were just trying to get pregnant. But once again, if you're having sex two, three times a week, you can't miss it. There's not a special day. Um, sperm can live inside the vagina for three, four, five days. So if you have sex twice a week, you literally cannot miss it. Dr. Rosen, I've known since I was 24 that I have PCOS, which screws with my cycle. That probably means that I wasn't ovulating. And all the sperm my husband was pumping into me were super confused, like, yo, where's that egg at? What should we have done differently? Remember, I said there were really only two things that should get you to a doctor earlier. And um, one of them was if your cycles aren't regular. So a woman normally has periods every 26 to about 32 days. So maybe what you should do when you start off is just calendar. So this is when my cycle started. These were the days that I had sex. A woman is fertile about 14 days before her period starts. So you can look back and see, but if there's a variation in your cycle by more than a couple of days, you're not ovulating. You should go see somebody earlier. There's no reason to wait for six months if you say you start trying January 1st, that your first period is, is Valentine's and your next one is Columbus Day. I mean, you've waited, wasted nine months in between you know, for nothing. So your period should occur every 28, 30, 26 days. And if they're regular like that, then you give it six months. Ugh. Hearing all this makes me wish I could go back into a time machine and change everything up. Why? Well, okay, so this app tells me that when we first started trying to conceive back in 2013, I didn't have my period for 72 days. Ugh. All that sex for nothing. Nothing? Oh, well, don't pout. Sex with you is awesome. I give you a five-star Yelp rating. It's okay. You can be honest. I'm really more of a 3.5 stars with good parking. I mean, I'm just a really goal-oriented person, and it's really easy to see now that I should have gone to a doctor almost immediately. So you've given us a ton of great advice for anyone who wants to start thinking about trying to start a family. What's some of the worst advice you've ever heard in your years as a reproductive expert? Just take a vacation, relax, and you'll get pregnant. Um, You know, all this stuff about position, all this stuff about raising your hips to the sky for for a half an hour after you've had sex, all that's complete nonsense. It doesn't matter how you do it, um, just do it. Um, the way your body is set up is that the, literally that sperm gets trapped inside you when you have sex. So if you get up, you know, within a 30 seconds or so, a minute after of having had sex, it's not all leaking out. Um, if it did, all you'd have to do for contraception is jump up and down immediately after you've had sex and all the sperm would fall out and you wouldn't get pregnant. The body is set up so that the cervix acts like a magnet to pull the sperm upstream. So within seconds of ejaculation, you know, the deed is done. Um, nothing special. You just just have sex, enjoy it, have sex a few times a week, and you can't miss it. Obviously, our listeners can't see me right now, but I'm smiling really widely, and it's because he just said one of his pet peeves was when other people tell couples to just relax. And isn't it an amazing coincidence that's the one piece of advice that makes most infertile people want to gouge someone's eyes out is also super annoying to doctors. Incredibly annoying because it's inaccurate. P.S.A. For anyone who knows an infertile person, telling them to relax is pretty much the worst thing you could say to them. Not only is it annoying as hell, but it sort of paints infertility as an attitude problem. The power to have a baby was inside me the whole time. All I needed was to believe. I mean, yes, stress is bad for fertility, But it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Infertility is just stressful in general, and positive thinking isn't going to change my hormone levels. 
For some reason, infertility makes other people believe that they are medical experts. Yeah, successful breeders were the worst. Here's some of the advice people gave us, well, you, about how to make a baby. You're too stressed. If you just relax, the baby will come. Look at blooming flowers. Look at these baby photos. Hold this baby. Take this tea. Stop drinking tea. Get some exercise, please. Stop walking so much. Distract yourself. Stop working so much. Put a pillow under that ass during sex. Doggy style only. Stop eating grains. Stop eating sugar. Stop eating meat. No, eat more meat. Adopt a child first. Get a puppy. To all these people who gave us this helpful advice, we'd like to say... Thanks. You cured us. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Us. So instead of this advice to just relax or take a vacation, what should people say or do if they want to try to support the infertile people in their lives? They've been trying for about six months. They should send them to a specialist so the specialist can figure out what's going on. I mean, if you have a lump or a bump, you don't wait, you know, for a year for it to go away. You know, you examine it and you examine it again. And if it's still there, you get it checked out by a professional. And it's the same thing with infertility. If you're not pregnant within four to six months, you should encourage your your friend to do the right thing, which is to see somebody who can help them get pregnant. That's a really good point about lumps and bumps. Sometimes it feels like people don't treat infertility like a real medical condition. Exactly. Exactly. Experts have told me that the reason people don't take it that seriously, both as a medical condition and as a research priority, is because infertility isn't fatal. Yeah, except to your hopes and dreams. Speaking of dead hopes, let's talk about our time at the OBGYN. Okay, so what we did next was we went to Anna's OBGYN, and she gave Anna a drug called Clomid, which is supposed to kickstart ovulation. Clomid is a super cheap, super common drug that is often the first line for infertility treatment. Yeah, it's like the it's I think it's like the easiest thing because mm-hmm. it, it really is just like, you know, it's Fonzie hitting the side of the record player to make it start. You know, it's <laughs> just like they're just kicking you in the ovaries and saying, make an egg right now. And then you have sex. Yeah. So my doctor gave me some Clomid. I took it according to her instructions. And then she predicted based on the performance in other women what time we should have sex. Yeah. And you know, I do want to sort of say here that I have some regrets about this time period. Why? Well, because I feel like I feel like we this was a waste because they gave us this Clomid, but we weren't at a fertility clinic. We were at just like an OB's office and they're not really equipped to handle this stuff. And I, Well, for some women, you don't know if your infertility is bad until you try this simple stuff first. Yeah, that that's true. I guess what I felt like was... 
they just sort of shoved some drugs in Anna, and then we tried to have sex. And then after two cycles, we got nowhere, and it felt like they didn't have any answers. They were just like, okay, we did this shot in the dark. Now go to an actual fertility clinic where they'll actually, you know, test and know what they're doing. Yep. So that's what we did. Um, We chose this super fancy clinic in Beverly Hills. And, you know, I tried to read reviews about it online on Yelp and on Google and stuff. But the way that I knew that this clinic was the best clinic in L.A. was because of the different types of people in the waiting room. They were just, I'm not trying to be crass here, but they were basically either one of two groups, rich Chinese medical tourists with like mad plastic surgery and like the latest runway fashions and television actors. And I was like, wow, these people know what's up and we're in the same place and everything's going to be cool from now on. It's odd at first because there's like a bunch of Chinese translators. Mm-hmm. Um, and often I was like the only white person there mm-hmm. in like a clinic in the middle of Beverly Hills. But you sort of you sort of were like, oh, if these people are literally traveling across the entire earth to go to our doctor, yeah. she must be incredible. Yes. But then I did sometimes wonder if it's just because she speaks uh, Mandarin. But the more important factor was that they took our insurance coverage, which was like a really big deal. Yeah. I work at the Huffington Post, which is owned by AOL, which is owned by Verizon. And I had a $40,000 credit to use for infertility treatment. Which is really, really generous and like weirdly generous. Like Because yeah. I think Apple and Facebook, they only offer what, like 20K? Yeah, I think so. And that's for egg freezing. So that's basically, you know, they're trying to say to your employee, don't bother settling down, keep working hard, we'll freeze your eggs and you'll be able to have your family later. Whereas this is like actual have your family now infertility coverage. Yeah, it's crazy generous. And honestly, I think it's some kind of mistake. I think that all of my colleagues should know about this and use it before someone figures out how much it's costing the company. Yeah, I hope no one in the executive pool listens to this podcast. I'm sure they're not. Okay. So uh, they ran a bunch of tests on Anna. And this is sort of the stuff I was talking about that they didn't do at the OB clinic. First, they they checked the works out. They like put like a dye through your uterus to like flush out your fallopian tubes. Mm-hmm. And they do like basically every time you go there, there's an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. So Anna has had like that ultrasound wand up her hoo-ha. The twat wand. The twat wand like 50 to 100 times. I mean, it's a lot of times. It's I don't my know. friend now. Yeah, I could go through the insurance records, but it happened a lot. It was in her a lot more than I was at this point. Oh, yeah. So anyways, the procedure we were doing was this thing called an intrauterine insemination. It's an IUI. So basically, it's really similar to what we were doing at the OBGYN's office in that I take Clomid to trigger ovulation. But instead of us just scheduling sex based on a calendar, she's actually looking at an ultrasound to see if my ovaries are making any eggs. Then we time the sex according to when the egg is being released. On the optimal day, when ovulation is just about to happen, Simon takes his sperm, puts it in a cup, and then they inject it into me with a catheter. This is actually a pretty crucial point because even though Clomid helps women ovulate, it also just really, really dries your vag out. Like Sahara Desert Dry. So that means A, sex is horrible, and B, the sperm have a really hard time swimming to get into the cervix. That's the other thing I hated about when we were with the OB was that we were supposed to have all this sex this particular time of the month, but because you were taking this drug, it was problematic. It was painful. You were not happy. It wasn't my usual 29-year-old supple self. Okay. So Anna brought up for a second that this involves me jerking off into a cup. Um, And I'd like to talk about that a little bit more because it's... There's more to it than it sounds like, okay? Okay, okay, yeah, fine. Here you go. This is your own little section of the podcast to talk just about jerking off. 
So the first time I had to provide a sample, which is the fancy sexless way the doctors describe it, I thought I should just do it at home. Yeah, that's where you normally provide samples. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, but that turned out to be a really bad choice because the sperm needs to be provided to the clinic in this tight time window. And so you have this appointment to deliver it. And if you miss that appointment, you're fucked. You just, you wasted a bunch of money on the Clomid and ultrasounds and your wife will probably kill you. Yeah, I would have killed you for sure. Okay, so you can't miss the appointment. But you also can't deliver sperm that's too old or stale. It has to be really fresh. Like so you farm have, fresh sperm. Yeah, you, I have to have just made the sample, basically, when I deliver. It has to be less than an hour old. So you've got this sort of added complexity, which is most of the time when you're making samples that are not for medical use, you are not you do not clean your penis beforehand, and you do not ejaculate into a cup. I don't know about other guys, but that's not part of my no, life. No, you weren't collecting your sperm in jars for no reason. Yeah, so you have to deal with that, which is a little complicated. It's not what you're normally doing. It's weird, and you, it's not like it's not like if you miss, you get to go again. You know, like you have to not ejaculate for a certain number of days before the procedure so that your sperm is at like a perfect level of potency. Mm -hmm. So it's like if it's more than five days old, the sperm is like old and cruddy and they don't want it. But if it's less than two days old, then it's like too immature and you haven't made enough of it. And so you have to like time the last time that you ejaculate a few days before the procedure. And then when you do ejaculate, you have to time it and collect it in the cup so that you'll get it to the fertility clinic within one hour and on your appointment time, which basically means I had to time my orgasm around Los Angeles traffic. They give you this piddly little cup in this paper bag and they warn you specifically, the cup is not watertight. Do not let it get knocked over. Why don't they use watertight jars? I don't know. It seems like the most important thing you could possibly have. I don't. Maybe the sperm needs to breathe and maybe it'll suffocate. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, if the cup gets tipped over, all your sperm will leak out. So you do have to drive there with this little cup and just be absolutely careful that it doesn't get knocked over or you'll lose all your Okay, work. okay. So you cut all that out. You just decided to come at the office. Okay, but there's even there is a little weird and complicated. So, you know, you're masturbating in a doctor's office. And what's that like? Well, in my mind, I was sort of picturing like, I think maybe something you might have seen in, like movies in the 1990s. You know, there's like this gross room with a bunch of porn magazines and tattered leather couches. Yeah. And also for some reason in those movies, the wife also shows up midway through to help with creating the sample in case the man gets stuck. And that's not a real thing at all because saliva can contaminate the sample. Thank God. Anyway, so the actual setup, at least at our clinic, is a tiny closet next to the air conditioner with two things in it. This old office chair and a Roku media streamer box, which has been configured to play hardcore pornography 24 hours a day nonstop. Why is it always playing? So that you don't have to touch the remote and get things sticky. Ooh. Anyway, so I switched to providing my sample at the clinic, but that brought me to the next big dilemma. What porn do I want to be watching when I potentially create human life? I decided I didn't want anything violent or obviously degrading, but the magic porn Whoa, box... Whoa, Simon. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with the world and our families and friends and coworkers. This will be the first and the last time that Simon gets his own segment on the podcast. Good job. Thank you. I just, okay, I just wanted people to know that, you know, I put a lot of thought into my contribution and I know it's small and I know that you had to do diet changes and hormone drugs and they had to measure your mucus and temperature and you had to have the vaginal ultrasound twat wand. Well, you're, you're, a an, you're a hero, Simon. <laughs> I, you're a hero I for your you, contribution. I love you, Angel, and I appreciate your sacrifices. I just wanted to describe my lesser sacrifice for the record. Okay. So we did this IUI and Simon heroically performed under pressure and then we waited two weeks to take a pregnancy test. Right. 
And so what we're looking for here, as we learned, is this thing called HCG. It's like this hormone. And when the embryo implants in the uterus, it starts pumping out HCG. It's sometimes called a beta level two. And you want to get a level over five to show an embryo successfully implanted. I took the test and drumroll, please. That is the worst drumroll I've ever heard. Okay, you know what? I was not in marching band and I don't have any rhythm. And... It worked. Woo! It totally worked. We were pregnant on our first try. Anna's beta level was a beautiful and overachieving 106 or 106. Which means I'm pregnant. We're pregnant. God, this was so easy. We were worried for nothing. Exactly. And who's to say this wouldn't have happened on its own eventually? I mean, maybe we just freaked out for no reason. Oh my God, I felt really high. I felt like... All those unhappy couples that were in the waiting room that were like already old and hated each other, but were still trying to make the baby happen. I was like, we're never going to be you. <laughs> yeah. We're, I... we're done. Well, that's how we felt anyway. Remember that? Yeah, we were we were so goddamn happy. I remember you gave me this phone call when you got the beta level and it was just like, you just said, baby, 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 baby. You just said that like a hundred times on the phone. I was so excited. And I just remember walking around the block in circles. Yeah. At that point, it had already been a year and a half since we'd been trying. Fuck. It had already been a year and a half? Yeah. Fuck. Our happy feelings lasted about 48 hours. Next time on IVFML, there's something really wrong. There's something really wrong with this pregnancy. I remember stuffing my phone in my pocket and all the emotion dropping out of the ultrasound text voice as she called for the doctor. I remember thinking, why the hell did I tell so many people about this? Why the hell did I tell so many people? Why the hell did I tell so many people? Why the hell did I tell so many people? Why the hell did I tell so many people? Why the hell did I tell so many people? Why the hell did I tell so many people? You've been listening to IVFML, a HuffPost podcast. IVFML is written and hosted by Anna Almendrala and Simon Gens and produced and edited by Nick Offenberg. Artwork by Isabella Carapella. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating, or send an email to ivfml at huffpost.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 